Perik Aleph, Mishnah Yud Aleph, first chapter, 11th Mishnah. This is the final Mishnah um, in the first chapter, and it concludes our different Ein Bains, all the different distinctions that we have between things that are closely linked. Um, and after this, we'll go back, we'll come back to the topic of Megillah and Purim. So just as an introduction, there are two types of offerings that were in the temple, some were known as Kodshim Kalim, lenient sancti- uh, sanctified uh, property. These were offerings, the sacrifices, which were more kind of personal, um, ones that people would bring as a free will gift or as a thanksgiving offering. And the Korban Pesach, the Paschal sacrifice, also fits into that particular category. And then there was the more sanctified, the Kodshim Kodshim, the Holy of the Holies, um, such as the sin offerings, the guilt offerings, the public uh, festive sacrifices, the meal offerings, all of those, they were have a, had a higher level or higher degree of sanctity. It was known as Kodshim Kodshim. Now, what was the difference between the two? Where you could eat them. And uh, this is what we're going to see in our Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Ein bein Shiloh There's no difference between Shiloh. Shiloh was a town which, as we mentioned in the last Mishnah, had a bomb Gedola. It was one of the temporary places where the Ark of the Covenant, the tabernacle, um, stayed for a period of time prior to the building of the, of the first temple. And obviously it had, that was the central focus of, of our worship at that time. There's no difference between Shiloh and Yerushalayim to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, which of course is the city that houses the permanent temple once the temple is built. So there's no difference between the two, Ella, except Sheba Shiloh. With regarding Shiloh, Ochlim Kodshim Kalim Umasasheni Bechol Haroah. You could eat the more lighter sanctified offerings, the, the, the sacrifices that would, were to be eaten, these private sacrifices, the Thanksgiving sacrifices, etc., that people brought individually. That didn't have to be eaten inside Shiloh itself. As long as you could see Shiloh from where you were, that was considered to be close enough in proximity to the tabernacle to be able to eat those things. And similarly, Malsashani. Malsashani was one of the tithes that had to be brought on certain years in the uh, agricultural cycle. And it wasn't given to anyone specifically. The owner, could, the owner, the farmer, could come and eat it himself, but he had to bring it to Jerusalem in temple times or at the time when Shiloh was built. It was, uh, he had to bring it to Shiloh. And there also, again, as long as he could see Shiloh, that was sufficient. But once the temple was built in Jerusalem, it wasn't sufficient to be able to eat these things as long as you saw Jerusalem. You had to be lifnim min You had to be inside the walls of Jerusalem itself. That's what um, retained the sanctity of, of that area. The Khan, the Khan, both regarding Shiloh and in the time where the temple was in Jerusalem, Kod Kadoshim, the most sanctified offerings, the sin offerings, the uh, fully burnt offerings, the festive uh, public offerings, etc., etc. All of those had to be the echolim lifnim laklam, had to be eaten within the curtains. In other words, within the sanctuary itself, within the temple itself. It wasn't sufficient to eat it in Jerusalem. And then finally, the Mishnah concludes Kedushas Shiloh Yesh Achareha Heta. The sanctity of the place Shiloh, once it was destroyed, there was after it an allowance. In other words, that once Shiloh uh, had been destroyed, 
um, people could still offer up offerings and sacrifices on their Baba Katanas and their per- personal private altars. However, Kedusha's Yerushalayim, the sanctity of Yerushalayim was such, the sanctity of Jerusalem was such, that once the temple had been built, and that was the fulcrum, that was the main focus of all of, uh, of uh, Jewish uh, worship, if you like, and it had a tremendous level of sanctity, when it was destroyed, Heta, you're not allowed to sacrifice or bring offerings to any other location. Obviously, during while the temple stood, it was a it was a given. You weren't allowed to make any offerings or sacrifices outside the temple itself. But what we're saying over here is that even after Jerusalem was destroyed, that meant that forever nothing could be offered or sacrificed. There could be no korbanot outside of Jerusalem, and uh, and that's of course we don't have that today. We don't, there is no temple, and therefore. There are no sacrifices, no carbonot today. That's the end of the first parak.